Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And I found that period of life very isolating, quite lonely. Everyone was sent the handbook of life and mine was lost in the post. Hello, hello. hello. <laughs> Such losers. Hello. Uh, hello. How are you doing? Good, I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I've got so much to tell you. What? It starts and ends with the fact yes. that I went to my street party. Oh, Good gosh. spads and awkwards everywhere. Oh, my God. All three from the street party? I think so. The awkward. Awkward. I'm. It's not mine. I'm stealing this from someone else. I mentioned that I was invited to two street parties, my own and one in Crystal Palace. Okay. I decided last minute I didn't want to go to the Crystal Palace one. I was going to go to my own. I was going to be a brave girl. Yeah. Good on you. Thank you so much. And my friend... Mm-hmm. who lives in Crystal Palace. Yeah, I've got two friends that live in Crystal Palace. One of them, it was her street party. My other friend, it yeah. wasn't her street party, but she had also been invited to the street party. So right. she went to the street party. Yeah. She got there. Yeah, They said, where do you live? And she said, not here. And they said, well, you can't come in. No, you're kidding and me. And everybody on the street had name tags. No. So they were asked to leave the street <gasps> and go back to their own sad street, which wasn't having a party. That's savage. Savage. Oh, my God. Savage. That's such stupid, like, that's such petty gatekeeping. <laughs> I know. There's a bouncy castle and everything. And her little toddler oh God, saw the bouncy, bouncy castle. castle. Broke it I up. was thinking more for her, but her toddler. Yeah, broke it up. Oh. I, think they let, I think they let the toddler in. And I think the parents were allowed to go and see the toddler. But that, oh, that's, so that's my idea, idea of horrendous awkwardness. I'm so pleased that that wasn't Thank me. Thank God you didn't go. Thank God I didn't go. So is that your good? Yeah, my good is that I didn't go to Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, yeah, well, but, well, I'm my gonna... good is something bad could have happened and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my kind of I'm going to drip feed you anecdotes from the street party okay, whilst okay. you please tell me something good, bad or awkward. I didn't get to go through all my awkwards from oh, Tenerife last week. So, um, okay. I, oh, so I did this, I did this like stupid little reel, right? Oh, and it's yeah. of I think is it Nickelback? Love Hang Nickelback. On, I'm gonna show it was you. Nickelback. Was it Nickelback? Right. Well, Daisy knows which one of your reels was stupid and little. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Nickel. I'm gonna play it. Right. Love this song. 
<laughs> right, I'm going to sh- show you right. So, so it's the Nickelback lead singer, whatever, at the start of I'm this totally video. Totally going to Nickelback the and whole way home. And he's holding up a photograph as he says, "Look at this photograph." Right. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to do this with Betty." Right. I'm going to write nobody. Colon, you know, like the cool kids do. Me away from my dog for more than an hour. Right. Watch it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will give this to Amy to put on the Instagram, but I put it up and I think it was up for, I think it was up for like 10 minutes and I don't think it had like 40 likes oh, and I did that and I'm embarrassed, no. I'm ashamed, but oh, also no. you guys are my people and, and you know what, I'm like, I deleted it. Oh no, Daisy, you saw it. I'm surprised. <laughs> it was got, uh, I, I was funny. I thought it was so funny. Did you like it though? Know. Probably not. Only it 40 people. Done. That is hilarious. How embarrassing. Mortified. More- Isn't it such a gamble when you think you're being really funny? Like I did I it with like, my reel last night gold. where I thought I was quite funny and then I uploaded it and it just it did alright. Which one? The one where I was like all my ugly faces when I was exercising. Oh no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, like, I'm so shit with- it was a bit funny. In my head, I was like, this is hilarious, because Alex watched it, and he was like, ha, ha, ha. I was like, thank you, because I'd have been devastated if he hadn't done that. <laughs> and then I uploaded it, and I was like, oh. No, I haven't seen a lot, actually. so cringe. <laughs> but on TikTok, you can upload this stupid shit, and it goes so well. I know, I know. It goes so well. So I'm trying to be, I'm trying to channel my TikTok. Anyway, back anyway, to the street party. Back to the street party. So I went, sorry about, sorry for your loss. Don't judge me, guys. I'm being pathetic. <laughs> I'm deleting stuff because it doesn't have enough likes. <laughs> I'm, I get it. I'm embarrassed. Um, it's a modern world. It's cruel. You've got to, you know. Yeah, you gotta, it is what it is. You, you do what you do. Uh, do what you do to survive. Uh, yeah, so um, my awkward is the oh. fact that, I mean, it couldn't have been worse, right? I went. Yeah. It was nice. I had oh, a okay. nice day. Okay. I actually stayed for four hours. Four hours? Four hours. It's actually quite awkward to go home. What do you do for four hours? Talk? Yeah. It's very hard to leave a street party because Mm. it's on your street. So it's like, okay, you people are boring me now. I'm going to go back into my own house. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's it's a hard one to leave. People (laughs) just watch you walk into your house. It felt very like Sims like that. You know, when everyone's just like standing outside a house and then one person just randomly goes into another person's (laughs) house. It felt like that. It was it was nice. It I a few embarrassings. First one, my next door neighbour, direct next door neighbour. Yeah. Last oh, this is my awkward. Last week I said on the podcast, I think we might be friends. I said oh, this, no. right? She follows me on Instagram. No. <laughs> no. And we're not friends. Yeah, I don't even know her surname. But I in the podcast I'm like, so I think we might be friends. Like we get on really well and then when oh we talk God. at the street party, she's like, I follow you on Instagram and I was like, Oh my god. I've talked about you. Oh my god, and I've massively over over egged our friendship. She will have listened. To, I bet you she's listened to the podcast. So fucking embarrassing. She just doesn't want to say because so fucking embarrassing because she isn't my friend. She isn't my friend. I don't oh. know her that well. I'd like to be a friend. She's a really nice woman, but we're not there. So that's embarrassing. <laughs> that is embarrassing. Really embarrassing. <laughs> really embarrassing. So yeah, that's that's my that's my awkward oh. from the street party. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna forego my good this week. Oh no! Because n- nothing that great has happened, and I've got so many awkward's. Um, <laughs> I how brown your legs are? I know oh. it's fake, Dan. Oh god, they look so it's, good. It's a good one. Your legs look but... so good. They look so brown, don't they? They look so good, but like just like muscly. And... Oh my god, you look so yeah. good. It's, it's the tan, I think. Do you want to feel really good about yourself? <laughs> Mine are really hairy and pale. Are they? I'll show you if you want. Yeah, go on. Let's see. <laughs> 
Can we take a picture for them? Yeah, we can. Not that bad. They're not good. Not that hairy, Jesus. It's just blonde hair, but if you do a stroke it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're hairy. Can't confirm that they're hairy. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Um, Okay. Day okay, so so in in Tenerife, Dave and I were in the supermarket, and it was a really quiet little supermarket. And we were the night before we'd had um, black squid ink Ooh, rice saw it on your Instagram. Yes, fucking gorgeous. Anyway, Dave had after this meal had a poo, and the poo was black because of the black squid ink rice. He had literally shat himself. He was so scared, <laughs> and, it, and I was too. And it took us a second to realise that. Uh, it's because you had did the Did he black... bring you in to show it? <laughs> Literally, yes. He did? Yes. He made you look at it? Yeah. Oh, he's my God. Disgu- he's, he's disgusting. disgusting. He's disgusting. He, he has no boundaries. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to... Like, I, I need... This is for his health. Like, <laughs> I need to. A doctor so... light. And I was oh like, Dave, what did we eat last night? Black squidding. Anyway. I can't believe he made you look at it. <laughs> I've know. never seen anyone's poo that isn't my own, apart from those random abandoned ones in, like, public use sometimes. <laughs> oh, oh. I've seen, I've seen like, 20 of Dave's. Oh, my God. Anyway, gross. How weird. Um, I've never seen one of Alex's... Mind you, I've said this before. He disgusting. takes himself off to poo. <sighs> Because he's normal. Yeah. Um, anyway, later on, then we were in the supermarket. Supermarket was really quiet, and I said to him, I just said to him, I wonder if your next poop will be black, right? And then, and he was like, Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It might be out my system by now. Anyway, a second later, I, I swivel around, and this girl's like, Oh, I thought that was your voice. <laughs> She's like, is it Alex? I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I wonder if your next poo will be black. <laughs> the familiar docile tones of Alex Light. I nearly died. Oh my and god. she listens to the podcast, so she will she will oh hear this. No. And if you did hear me say that, I'm so sorry. Although the supermarket was so quiet and there's no one in there apart from us. Did you assume that everybody was Spanish so you could get exactly, away? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought for one second. And she's like, hi. You're a bigger celeb than you know, Alex. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, Dave just like ran fame away. Fame comes with a price. Yeah, well now everybody knows about Dave's black poo. It wasn't embarrassing enough that that one random person heard it about it in the supermarket. Go. Now Enjoy. all of our tens of thousands of listeners get to hear about it too. You're Lucky welcome, Dave. So yeah, um, amazing. My final good is probably yeah. that I went to the street party. I also yes. met someone who lives three doors up from me. Yeah. from the Isle of Man. Whoa. How weird is that? He's literally so from weird. like two doors down from where really? my dad lived. Yeah, so weird. Oh, and that's I've so nice. met my own double who lives at the end of the road, at other end of the road. Yeah. Got married this day before us. Really? Had a baby two weeks after us and is also going to Bath for her anniversary next weekend. Really? How old is she? Your age? But a bit older, but she does the same job as Alex. That's really weird. Really weird. So we might be being stalked. I think we're going to be best friends. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going out for a drink. Oh, yeah. So I've made a friend, everyone. I've made a mum friend. Mum friend. Mum friend. And the babies are the same age. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, really cool. She's got yeah. a little boy. And yeah, nice. really, yeah, actually really nice. Like, I mean, she might hate me. I might hate her. I don't know. But we're going out. I the podcast. Yeah, God, I oh, mean, yeah. I know, I know. I was so, so embarrassing. Because so, obviously you man from the Isle of Man, like, everybody knows each other on the Isle of Man. She's like, oh, I know your family. I was like, I, I am known on this street and not in a good way because yeah my neighbour says she follows me on Instagram and it's just like that's not good that's not good on this very street corner I have stood dressed as a blueberry dressed as a, a roll of toilet roll sat With on a, a loo yeah like yes. I have done some embarrassing shit on that road yes. like really really embarrassing agreed and everybody's seen it <laughs> I fully agree yeah, and now everybody can put a face to the name Gorgeous. oh that's that weird one yeah. from up the road that's nice now we know her name so yeah 
love that for you. Love that. But I did make a friend, so woo! That's okay, for me. That's good. That's good. Um, my bad. Very quickly is that I have realised that I send people memes all the time like i send people memes all the time like constantly i'm saving stuff i'm sending links like all the time like i just things it's, funny things it's things a love language remind me exactly things that remind me of people whatever no one and i've realized people don't send stuff back i to do me. i do i do you're the only person that does well there you go so it's not n- not all people not all friends <laughs> not all friends not all friends but most of them yeah no one no one sends them back to me and i was just looking at this whatsapp group that i've got with a few friends and i was like i am the only contributor here and people just look and like occasionally they'll laugh i'm like fuck you all fuck them all fuck you all. do you all. want to join my I'm family out. whatsapp group because that is solely yes, how we communicate yes please i don't know if katia can still hear us but I'll wait for a thumbs up to see if you're allowed in no she can't hear us she's not listening <laughs> Great, we'll just she put you is, in. And she's just like, no, <laughs> yeah, she's not, she's not coming in. Fair enough. So, well, I guess my final bad. Mm, oh yeah. Well, no, I've already had a bad. Oh right. <laughs> my other one is that after this podcast interview, I went into a huge downward spiral because I realised that my life was going to be completely fucking upended next March. <laughs> but yes, but <laughs> it's a lovely interview. <laughs> so this week's guest is Kagi Dunlop, who has a podcast called Saturn Returns which was born out of her own Saturn Return um, and I didn't know what Saturn Return was I don't think you really nope. did either so we learned on the podcast which was very interesting Emma's now shit scared <laughs> quite rightly <laughs> of what's in store um, I had some re- realisations about my own Saturn Return and yeah it was really it's really interesting fascinating and she's a delightful calm presence it's like a it's like a nice calm it did Lovely feel like interview. that as my world was like completely exploding. It was yeah. nice to have a sort of anchor, a port in the storm. <laughs> uh, so without further ado, here is Kagi. Enjoy. Hi, Kagi. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, I saw you very recently. I saw you just a few days ago at your I flat know, I um, because I recorded for your podcast, Saturn Returns. Yeah, it was a great conversation. It was. You said before it felt like that. It really did feel a bit like therapy. But in a really good way. Well, I love who? For me, I think. Um. <laughs> it was me really too. nice. Yeah. And I think that is where we'd like to start is Saturn Returns because I don't know about you, Em, but I hadn't heard of a Saturn Return before before I discovered you in your podcast. Really? No, I'd never ever heard of it. I don't I mean you you will have heard of it, right? That, I'm guessing your face is like no. My face is actually like I'm actually mortified at myself. I don't really understand what is that. I don't. Oh, I thought I know. this would be right up your street. I know. This is what I mean. Like I'm the worst. Um, I'm the worst at having an interest in astrology because I very much cherry pick. I'm like, well, that apply that applies to me, and then the rest <laughs> of it I don't understand. So I'd actually love to hear about Saturn return. <gasps> Amazing, of course. Okay, okay well, your what Saturn your Saturn return is essentially something that happens in your late twenties. As Saturn, the planet returns to the same place in the sky it was when you were born. So within the realms of astrology, this is viewed as your cosmic coming of age or your sort of initiation into adulthood. So at around 29 years of age, we tend to have these big life life lessons and it can feel quite intense because often they all sort of hit us at once. So that's why usually at this time, sometimes like people's career will all fall apart and their relationship and their friendships it will like all hit them at once but equally if you've been living in quite a sort of Saturnian fashion depending on your 
birth chart and all of these things and how you've been living your life so far, it can just mean up-leveling. So it can mean having a child, getting married, getting that promotion. But the reason I started the podcast is because mine felt, you know, the former. It was like everything felt like it was falling apart. Didn't know who I was, what I was supposed to be doing. And when someone told me about Saturn Return, I was just so fascinated by the concept and figured that everyone should know about it. But whether or not you look at it astrologically, I think that's a really difficult time as we approach 30 when we're supposed to have all of these things figured out and often we don't. And so, yeah, that's why I kind of centralised all my work around that particular that area. Can I ask what happened? Like what was For your me? Saturn return? Is that how you say it? Yeah. yeah. So during my Saturn return, I, you have also a progressed lunar return, which is something different but that happens before your Saturn return and that can also mean a bit of like emotional upheaval and during that time I was 27 I was living in LA and that's when things started to unravel in this way that was like I was I was pursuing acting and music but the more I kind of tried to force it or control it the more resistance I hit and the more sort of out of control I felt and I found that period of life very isolating quite lonely um and like everyone else had filed their life into some kind of meaning and mine just didn't I always describe it's like everyone was sent the handbook of life and mine was lost in the post and then when I came back to London slightly with my tail between my legs because I hadn't achieved what I I'd hoped I would and was kind of coming back to London not starting again but it felt a little bit like that and then I I was releasing music and and that was sort of going well but it didn't feel I still kind of felt quite emotionally like I knew I wasn't probably doing the right thing and then the big catalyst for me was a relationship ending, which can often be for people. And my relationship at the time, it fell over my Saturn return exactly. It ended the month my Saturn return ended. And that really catapulted me into everything I'm doing now. But it was a really painful breakup, as breakups tend to be. It was one of those ones, though, that you just don't see coming. Um, and I think in sort of true form to Saturn return, that's often the way they are, that kind of guillotine style ending where you're just like, I'm single So do you know, did you know, does one know when their Saturn return will be? So yes, you can, if you look it up, it's quite easy to look up online. You can get the exact dates. And a lot of people obviously through listening to the podcast or reading the book, are now doing that. Mm. What I didn't anticipate by creating this work is that people would then become sort of Saturnophobic and be like, yeah. I've put the date in my diary and I'm terrified <laughs> of what's going to happen. I'm going to be honest, Kagi, you said the word guillotine. And <laughs> I'm 28, I'm 29 oh, shit, yeah. in two months. Oh, I'm shit. like, right, yeah. what's be, coming? Yeah, to be fair, the language around it, and if you look up a lot of stuff around Saturn return, it is like associated with karma, discipline, responsibility. It's quite heavy and like, considered a punitive planet but actually the beautiful thing about it is once you're through the other side you can recognize that all of those things 
were just helping you become your most authentic self. Right. Doesn't so it's help like, when you're on this side of it. I'm yeah, like, but I, I think it's just about like if you've been living in alignment with things that are in like integrity and authentic for you, it can just mean solidifying that. So okay. like you said, like whether that's family or a promotion. But I think I was just off course. Mm. And so it kind of just snapped me back in a way that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own. And it often does that through a kind of rock bottom or like a spiritual awakening. And then from that point, you can build more solid foundations. Did you know when the when it all when the relationship ended, I guess, if that was the main catalyst, did you just think, oh, fuck you, Sutton? Or did you like not know? Well, that's the thing. So I, when I first heard about it, I was in LA and became fascinated by the concept. At at that time, because I was living in LA, like everyone else, I was like, I'm going to write a script about Saturn Return. This is such an amazing (laughs) idea. And then sort of parked the concept Mm. and then went back to London and honestly was just, I was still very much dipping my toe into spiritual practices and, and leaning into the sort of esoteric world. But I wasn't like, oh, this is where my Saturn... I didn't actually know specifically the dates at that point. And when I went through this relationship, I wasn't thinking, oh, this is my Saturn return. But at the same time, simultaneously, I'd been talking to Nora, who's the astrologer for Saturn return. And she was sort of saying, she would say things about like the relationship um, in terms of like other transits that I was going through that obviously were just quite confusing because she was like, be careful, you're going through like a Neptunian fog. And I was like, what's a Neptunian fog? (laughs) And then anyway, when it wasn't actually until I wrote the book that I actually recognized that the relationship ended the same time my Saturn return ended. So even at that point, it wasn't like I was... Yeah, it wasn't in the diary, but I was just knew that I wanted to do something around that period of life. And I also know I knew that I needed to go through it mm. to talk about it. Because when, when I was like going through it, I was just like, what's going on? I'm finding all of this really weird because I don't know when my Saturn return is. And I've never thought about it before because I didn't know the concept. But my um, re- relationship, 10-year relationship ended when I was 29 um, and it was a guillotine <laughs> style moment. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for Sorry. mine now. <laughs> like, guys, my 10 year relationship. It's fine. You have it way more together than I ever did. I think that helps. Um, so, yeah. But it was a, it was guillotine style fashion. Did not and see it coming. He told me he was gay out of nowhere. Had absolutely no idea. And I was 29. How old was he? 30. Mm. 30. Wow. Yeah. Do men have certain returns? Yeah. They do. So it could have been his as well. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it's kind of like, that's the thing. It's about authenticity. So if you're not being true to yourself, it just really confronts you with that at that time. That's so weird. That's so weird. I'm going to do some digging later and when when it is exactly. But that is really strange because that is, I think it was a month after I turned 29. Wow. I think. September 13th. (laughs) (laughs) It's burning into my brain. That that must have been intense yeah it was, it was you didn't you just had not absolutely no idea no we've just been together forever so it just didn't just never occurred to me ever there were no wow. at least I thought there were no signs but there probably were but I just wouldn't know so yeah it was yeah interesting, interesting are you still time. friends yeah really good yeah, friends yeah nice. really good friends I mean there you go that is like a classic sentiment from both of your sides yeah because yeah. it's kind of about being 
true to yourself. Yeah. And sometimes I don't think we realize that we're not being true to ourselves, you know, through like societal conditioning, expectations, mm. trying to be validated by whether it's our peers or our parents. So we often start pursuing things from quite a young age that might not be right for us, you know, right. with, that align with our sort of intrinsic values. Yeah. And then often during our Saturn return, like, it's why you get people having big career shifts that it? it seems like it's out of nowhere. Like some t- people will just suddenly change and like start up a business and like, well, that's random. Mm. But actually it's probably been brewing yeah. in them for a really long time. They just at that point had the courage to change course. I don't want to put words in your mouth or like assume anything about your life, but looking at the course of like how everything happened for you, I guess you kind of ended up on a trajectory at a young age that is quite hard to get off. Get off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you can't just become unfamous, really. You, well, you, you know what's funny about that is that's actually kind of what I wanted. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, to add context, the I did a reality show when I was in my early 20s. And then when I was on there, I knew that it wasn't, that trajectory wasn't the one that I wanted to go down, but mm. it was like I was already on the train. Do you know mm. what I mean? It was going quite fast. Yeah. And I just sort of jumped off it. And I remember at the time when I spoke to um, one of the heads of the company that it was NBC that did the show. And they said, you know, what do you want? What do you want? in order to stay and I was like I, I don't want to stay and then he was like well what do you want then and I said normality and I write about this in the book and he was like it's overrated and I, at that time I think I felt like a hot air balloon taking off with no means of coming back down like I was just didn't feel like the master of my fate just mm-hmm. a bystander to it and I didn't want that and I think that's famous and interesting thing especially at a young age because you don't really know who you are, but you're going to be crafted into something by whether that's the press, might be a label that you're signed with or a production company. And they're going to have an agenda for how they want you to be. And sometimes, you know, hopefully for people that will be aligned with what they really want, but often it's not because we don't know who we are Mm. at 21. 21? God, no. No, we 21. 21. Yeah. Fuck. That's crazy young. Yeah. And it's early, yeah, just in terms of, like, I'd say the world, we kind of know, you know what train you're getting on now if you do any kind of reality TV because we're so used to the formula. Mm. Yeah, we didn't then. No. We sort of thought this will disappear and, like, no one will know about it or it will be successful. We didn't think about the sort of everything else. Yeah. But in, in a weird way... Perhaps my experience was a little more heightened because it was on TV, but I don't think it was necessarily that different from anyone else my age because, you know, in your early 20s, you're trying different things on for size and just Mm. seeing what fits. The only difference is, and we started talking about it before we were recording, is that you get pigeonholed in a certain area. Mm. And I think I've tried really hard to cultivate and create a life that feels like very authentic to me and based on something that I love. But that also is part of the reason I'm able to do it. Do you see what I mean? It's sort of like a double-edged sword. And I think in the UK especially, we can be guilty of pigeonholing people and trying to keep them there. Women particularly. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like, mm. oh, well, she did that. That's all she'll ever be. And I do notice that sometimes, but because I've done a lot of work on it myself, I'm okay with it. Mm. Whereas I think in my late 20s, I felt very much like that's all I'm ever going to be able to be. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. that's frustrating. It was really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, people are always going to try and limit others, especially yeah. if they limit themselves. I think that's what we have to recognize online is when someone, and, you know, we all experience it to varying degrees, but if someone's saying, oh, she can't do that or she's too this or she's too that, you really have to recognize that they're speaking to themselves. They're saying that's a limitation that they put on themselves. That's like they've told themselves they can't do something for whatever reason. So they're just transferring that onto the internet, onto a stranger they don't know. God, I've never thought about it like that. That's actually sat, like, I've just, like, my world's just fallen out from underneath me. Well, <laughs> quietly, while we've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, shit, guys. Um, but about how, about people only limit, people who limit themselves limit other people. Like that, Of course, that's, yeah. Because the biggest dreamers I know would never shit yeah. on anyone else. But that's the thing. But the, the people that comment online as well, like if you actually step away from that, because obviously it can be upsetting but the like you say the people that you are inspired by that are living a life that's incredible mm. are not the people that's saying oh she can't do that or yeah. she's do this well look at that because you must have had you I I'm imagining and I don't read it but I'm imagining that you've had a lot I'm like daily mail journalism yeah like you must have been fodder for a lot of that for your 20s yeah which I don't think I have I don't think I recognised at the time, probably I'm only starting to now the impact of that. Mm. And also like, as soon as I'm saying that, I have to acknowledge that there's a voice in my head that's acknowledging the listener that might be thinking, oh, well, you know, privileged girl, got famous young, why should I, uh, you know, feel sorry for her? You're not asking anyone to feel sorry for you, no. you're just no, telling but I, no, story. No, but I'm, I'm just saying like, that's yeah. what it's like, you know? It's yeah, like even online what... when people see... Yeah. someone that's got a lot and they might be speaking about anxiety or mental health and they're like oh well they've got everything they can't and it's like we, we've got to stop that as well because yeah. whilst I acknowledge I got dealt a you know good hand and had a lot of opportunity it was really hard being a 20 something year old girl in the public eye and being you know the way the Daily Mail write about people is a very specific way that's kind of weaponizes the way women feel about themselves already and uses it against each other and also keeps this kind of fear-based mentality where it's like even as a reader you know it's sort of like the comment section of the daily mail it's like the worst it's place the in humanity place on the internet <laughs> it's it is yeah. it's like do not go there <laughs> no. but when you know I was in my 20s and I was I would sometimes and I yeah. regret it and I was also someone that would even when the show first aired I would see you know there would be thousands of tweets and stuff and I'd be looking through them trying to sort of process what was happening and even if you know, 999 of them were positive. That one out of a thousand that wasn't mm. was the only one that I saw. Yeah. And again, to kind of reverse that thing of 
people that limit themselves will try and limit other people. You can only really feel shamed by something if you carry that in yourself. So you can only be made to feel insecure about something if you feel insecure about it in mm. yourself. But, but again, like there aren't many 21-year-olds that have a thick skin that are like feeling super confident in their abilities and who they are. You're just kind of trying to navigate the world. And a lot of it is based on how people respond to you. Mm. You know, do you know what I mean? I had, yeah, not too dissimilar experience when I was 17. And the Daily Mail would write about me throughout my late teens and early 20s. And I would without fail go to the comment section. And I think, I mean, it is self-harm, but I think I was trying to validate my own insecurity a lot in a really perverse sort of way. And And it was like, all these people were right about me in my head. Now I'm like, mm. were they though? Like these grown adults with all that to say about a 17 year old, but okay. Um, but exactly. So and that's, and, so and it's just become sort of spread out through social media. It's probably mm. not as, I, I guess it depends who you are and how you're being spoken to. But yeah, it's a very, and I, th- I don't know, I would like, journalists to take a bit more responsibility over that because it's often women writing these articles about women about Mm, women and it's this sort of toxic feminine like shame cycle that we're in where it's like write horrible things about someone's cellulite and body the person that's reading it's like oh my god if they're being spoken to about like that then I'm even worse but also I'm kind of enjoying that someone that has all these things is being degraded because it makes me feel a bit better. It's that sort of schadenfreude mentality of like someone else's pain gives you a little bit of pleasure. I also imagine, and again, I come obviously from an area of extreme privilege and, and the way that I've been spoken about, it makes it, it, you'd be hard pushed to feel sorry for me, which is fair fucks because I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for me. But I imagine doing a show, doing the show that you did as well, it's the it's so easy for papers to strip you of humanity and people can convince so themselves easy. that they can say whatever about you because mm. it's like, oh, well, she's so lucky. She's got this and this and this. And also, <laughs> we have to acknowledge that whilst it was a reality show, it was very much not real life. Yeah. You know, and that's what I find hilarious when people still think that I... The version of me in Made in Chelsea was not who I am. It ne- never has been, never was in terms of I did not rock around Chelsea in a, in a Rolls Royce. I don't know anyone that does, to be honest. <laughs> but even that, I was like, no, I know what you're trying to create, but that person that lives the life that you want to depict yeah. doesn't go around in a Rolls Royce. <laughs> so I would, but I would like... Yeah, well, but, I mean, well, that's like drugged drugs i don't know who I, the thing is, like, I don't know who is but <laughs> yeah but maybe yeah. we should do that al do you think yeah, yeah. it'd be good for the brand like fake go. it till you make it yeah. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's so it's so fascinating. And I w- want to ask this question. Do you think you regret doing reality TV? Do you think you regret it? If you had your time over, would you still do it? For that time, probably from like 25 up until 30, even a bit after 30, I was in a sort of paralyzing state of regret. Looking right. back, thinking I wish I'd made different choices I wish I didn't do that or I wish at least I took advantage of it and rather than just jumping off the train and then kind of not being able to fully embrace where I was at so I was just and then within that I became very much like and I use this word delicately because I, I'm excluding victims of abuse now, but I was like stuck in my own victim mentality of like I but it was like I've was annoyed at myself. Do you see what I mean? Whereas now I don't like to have regrets about anything because I can see retrospectively that how beautifully everything unfolds in a way that you can never predict and you could never map out for yourself. It's far more magnificent than we could. Like we like to think, okay, I want to achieve this and I'm at A and this is B and this is, I just walk and I get there. And then suddenly we get thrown off track and like take all these detours and go in these directions we never anticipated. And we can feel annoyed about that, but actually it will either end up getting to where we want to be, but we'll just have picked up the wisdom we needed to get there. Or we end up somewhere far greater than we could have ever imagined or conceptualized for ourselves. And I see that now, and I see that very much post-Saturn return. And that's what I think my Saturn return was about because you know, if we kind of go more deeply into it, your your Saturn return is like your big, I guess, kind of wake up call in a way. But we also have Saturn squares in opposition. So if you look back at your life at 7, 14, 21, up until your Saturn return, those are all sort of visits from Saturn. So I write about this in the book. And whether or not you want to look at it astrologically, those are quite big key pivotal moments as we sort of have a sense of our identity our autonomy we at 21 we kind of think we're an adult a bit we think we know what we want and can make decisions for ourselves but we often just mess it up so I look back at my 21 year old self with a lot more humility because I was trying to present something that I thought would alleviate the feelings that I had throughout my teenage years that I didn't really know how to place in the world and that was more the sort of introspective side of me the the poetry the melancholy all these things that I didn't really see as positive that now I do Mm. does that make sense and so that like whilst I could sit here and say I wish I I would never do reality tv now whilst that is true the 21 year old version of Kagi wanted to for whatever reason because perhaps that I wanted to present myself in that way for reasons that I've just kind of explained in my you know teen years and stuff 
And I don't regret doing it because by doing it, it made me realize that that didn't make me happy. And it kind of put me on this weird journey and like quest for authenticity, even though I didn't recognize it at the time. And now I feel like I'm in that place. And the difference is now, I know it's quite rare kind of to echo what you just said of when people start become famous, they can't stop. I actually think I'm incredibly lucky that I was famous in that sort of overnight fame way. And then I managed to pull away and then I've managed to come back with more, I'd say I have more of a community than an audience. It's a very different energy. An audience can kind of throw you up very quickly and tear you down, whereas a community is like along for the ride. Yeah. And I like that distinction. I do too. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I'm very fortunate to have experienced both, you know, to have that kind of taste of fame and to be able to pull it away. Yeah. I, I like what you just said then, because I think that's something that I think about a lot is, you know, I try and not have regrets I mean I still do but I try but I try and have full respect for what the old me wanted in that time at that moment because that was just as valid then as what I feel now is and I think we can forget that right we can just think oh I was young and stupid but actually that was just as important for me at that time I think that's really important and also what's the use in like shaming our past version of self like we are I kind of live by the belief that we're all doing the best we can with the tools and the self-awareness we have available so what you know 21 year old us that's all we knew and we're just trying to survive and fit in and be liked and of course now we do things differently because we know more and we know the outcome of certain things and that's just part of the journey and that's how we kind of That's why failure is also so important, you know. I think we stop ourselves from doing things because we're so afraid of failing. But actually, I've learned so much from failing. And my 20s in many ways felt like I experienced a lot of them. I want to talk about that. But I just, I'm really interested in the regret thing. Because do you feel like you forget, do you feel like you had anything to forgive of yourself do you feel like you put your regrets down? When you have a regret or when, and I think people do have regrets, there is such a feeling of shame around them and you do carry it. I imagine forever, I think forever. And I I don't know if you have any advice just based on your experiences of what you do with that regret, where you put it. Do you honour it or do you try and cure it? What do you? Where do you put it? It's a great question. It's actually something that I'm, working on sort of in real time at the moment so this is very much a working progress and the advice I can give I'll give the best I can because it's only fully coming to my awareness because like I said in my in my 20s I did have a lot of shame over the decisions I had made and it's heavy shame's a very very heavy feeling and it's all internalized and it kind of sits in the body And whilst I've shifted my perspective and feel very grateful to be where I'm at now and feel like I'm creating a life that feels very aligned. So if someone comes up to me um, and they're like, I love the podcast, I love the book, I just get the most like heartwarming 
feeling. Like, I love it. But if someone comes up and they're like, I like Jermaine Chelsea, it does still give me this little, like, thing. Because I think I ha- I tried so hard to move away from that. And I think it is, it's not just the show. I think that to make this kind of relevant to anyone that's li- listening, when we make decisions that we regret and we mess up and we do bad things or whatever, like when we wrap that up in shame and kind of bury it, it doesn't go any, I think like saying, it doesn't Mm. go anywhere, but that doesn't mean that we have to carry it forever. It's just unpacking that is the delicate thing. And I think sometimes we need support, whether that's a therapist to kind of really hold space for that process. Because when you shame yourself about it, how can you bring it out and like hold it? Do you know what I mean? And let it go. So I'm kind of in this process at the moment of unpacking like why I hold shame and to kind of go back to a point I made earlier. I think we can only, if if someone makes us feel shamed, if like a comment online or like a comment from a friend or a boyfriend or a partner makes us feel that sense of shame, mm. it's usually, usually an indication that we're carrying it. Mm. Of course, like if yeah. I'm not, if someone's actually being really shaming to you, that's different. But sometimes like, they might not be and it just puts us back in that space and that's something that I've noticed about myself and trying to you know make peace with those past versions of myself and fully understand or fully like accept you know and I'm not 100% sure whether I'm there but I'm getting much closer and one of the sort of ways that I'm trying to do that at the moment is like taking the time to reframe all the things that I felt shamed for and actually celebrate them you know so I think uh, for women particularly as well I was just listening on the way here to call her daddy's um, podcast with Madison Beer Madison Beer, and she was talking about like being sexually shamed as like a young girl and stuff and it just even just listening to it I was like how how much I didn't think stuff like that impacted me but just the way that kind of thinking just as like it's all coming but you know women sort of being overly sexualized and shamed for that very thing it's a really complex part of society that I don't think we fully acknowledge and we carry it and we internalize it because it's our fault as women that we're sexual and that's just something that I'm trying to like unpack it's kind of like sexual shame Mm, yeah and a lot of us probably have it and don't even know that we this is what I mean yeah because it's so normalized to feel that way right oh my god yeah if you think back to like but like I don't know relationships you had at school or not even relationships or like just behaviors or whatever that you as a teenager and then you look back as an adult you're like oh god I wouldn't have done any of that but then it's just like but then why do I feel so angry or so Mm. gross about something that happened to a child because if you saw another child doing what you did as a child you'd be like oh children teenagers what are they like but when it's you you're like so you've got this like adult anger for Yeah. A teenager's actions, which is actually a bit wild. Yeah. And in this, it, the interview that I was listening to, she called, I didn't realise, but like if a young girl's putting up anything online, 
like it's called fatherless they're like oh fatherless behavior and it's like shaming the girl <laughs> for like being and it's like daddy what? issues Seriously. it's the worst Come thing on. it's like how are you blaming women for their dads <laughs> fucking them up but this is like, what i mean like the accountability is all on the woman yeah and that sort of yeah. transcends like all forms of media in the way that women get teared down for things that often men do to them mm. I don't know how we got onto this but anyway it kind of ties into like the, it's fascinating what though. I'm trying to unravel about myself and I think mm. it also kind of ties into this place that I'm at in my life where I think society tells us that women in their 30s are like ready to be discarded and if they haven't been picked by a man then they kind of lose their worth and that they shouldn't turn grey or get wrinkles or all of these things and that we become less than but actually I feel that it's because we become more than but society tries to keep us small because it's afraid of that Mm. and having to unpack like everything that goes into it and I think a big part of that is like a woman that owns her sexuality and doesn't feel shamed by it is a powerful thing it's terrifying to everyone else like yeah it's terrible like and not not to make it a sort of men versus women thing because it's not about that at all it's but it kind of just goes far deeper it's like I don't know I'd really invite women that perhaps are listening to this and I'm sure a lot of your audience is female to kind of start questioning some of this stuff because even like what Mm. we talked about when you came on the podcast that we don't we just absorb it Mm. And don't try and actually decondition. Or even question it. Or even question. It's just like, oh, that's the way yeah. it is. That sentence that you said is so, I to me, that is completely spot on in that when we become more than, suddenly we are viewed as less than and our value becomes less than. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. And that works straight into the hands of, of the patriarchy, right? It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's almost like someone asked me and was like, okay, this is where they really like initiate into that stage and kind of fully step into knowing who they are. So let's put out loads and loads of stuff yeah. to make them feel as disempowered as possible. Yeah, yeah let's tell them who the they should be. Yeah, yeah. and, t- well, and like yeah. make them feel pre- preoccupied with sort of altering their bodies and changing their faces and dyeing their hair and thinking that they need to have all the beauty treatments and buy all the clothes so that they don't recognise their own power. And stay small. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stay busy. That's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. I mean, it is crazy. It's just how, like, it's annoying. When you start picking it, you're like, oh God, this is the biggest, biggest, but it's like the top drawer in like your mum's cupboard, just like full of absolute chaos yeah. <laughs> yeah. straight like air like i for our headphones string yeah everything but it, it, it's still it's still it just amazes me how so much of this stuff like i never so much as even questioned any of this like probably not until about five years ago and i was and it was because i was forced to i was like you know led to water that's not the right phrase. You know what I mean? I, you know, someone had to do it for me, had to like bring me to the point where I would be like, oh yeah, that isn't right. Like I, oh, I'm going to question that. Oh, I'm going to challenge that. And it just, it, it just baffles me. And I guess it's something that probably I still feel a bit of shame about. It just baffles me that we're just so, we so blindly 
go with the status quo and that we don't question and challenge and like the outrageous things that some of the outrageous things that our society puts on us Mm -hmm. and that we just like quietly accept. I just find it crazy. I know. But I guess at the same time, you know, this whole sort of selling empowerment, like if if we were taught to feel complete and wonderful about ourselves, then capitalism wouldn't exist in the way that it yeah. does. Yeah. And I do think humans are generally good at just following back and just going with the... Status you know, quo. Not, yeah, not questioning and yeah, I don't know. It's just... It's interesting. Yeah. So did you, when you, with your Saturn return, did you feel like, do you, I don't know, because I don't know how it works and obviously I've got this impending sense of dread that it's coming. (laughs) Um, How long did it last for? And did you feel while you were in it, like you've just, like when Mercury's in retrograde and you're just going to get through this time of absolute hell and then everything will be better? Or did you sort of come back and look at it all retrospectively? So it lasts about, for the first part, it lasts about two and a half years. Oh, Christ. I'm, ter- <laughs> I'm, I'm terrified. No, no, this is fun. But at the time, I, like I said, I, I wasn't, strangely, I, I was sort of aware and I wasn't. Because I remember actually I found a, like a, a Word document that me and Nora, the astrologer, had been, she'd done a reading for me and she'd sent back like all these notes and stuff. And I then commented under the notes and she'd said, you're going through your Saturn return. And, and that, but the, the, the pre, the stuff before that was like about creativity and a new project. And I'd written underneath, I was like, guess what? The project I'm working on is called like Saturn return. And that was when I thought I was going to make it into a TV show. So who knows? Maybe I still will. I think you should. But it wasn't, I wasn't thinking when stuff was going wrong this is my Saturn return. Mm. I was just thinking that stuff was going wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah, like yeah. preoccupied with like, is this the right relationship that I'm supposed to be in? Because it doesn't really feel that right. But I'm 29 and everyone's kind of getting engaged or having kids. Mm. And so this kind of fits my life. And then with the career shame, I was pursuing music and I, you know, like I said, I was releasing music, but I had like severe performance anxiety that was so painful that made me be like I don't know how I can actually do this as a career and anyone that works in the music industry will know it's sort of feast or famine it's really hard Mm. it's a really hard thing to pursue but then I also was had the sort of the hangover of the fame of Maiden Chelsea that was this sort of explosive overnight thing and then just really felt like in comparison to that like in the shadows of that. Yeah. Does that That's make sense? That's a really horrible, conflicting place to be because yeah. it's like most people, if they're trying to make it in the music industry, get to do it in the privacy in of their own. Anonymity, yeah. 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 And I didn't anonymity. have that. No, That's such so a good everybody's point. watching yeah. you try something, which is, yeah. to be watched yeah. trying Honestly, is the hardest. When I have like that much anxiety, like music for me is the most personal vulnerable place that exists in me yeah and so to put that out like I couldn't sing in front of anyone for most of my life the first time I ever sung in front of anybody was on Maiden Chelsea that was yeah that was my first ever gig and it was filmed by six cameras every angle going out on national tv but because it was because I was like oh my god they orchestrated that because they'd said you know what do you like to do and I said I I like singing but I'm 
absolutely terrified to do it in front of it. Like I went to drama school, I did a singing semester and I couldn't get up in the class. Like I actually just really? could not oh, open wow. my mouth. And then I was suddenly doing, my family was like, what's going oh on? What God. do you mean you're singing on the first episode? And I think from their side, they probably thought, if this is awful, this is great TV. And if it's great, it's great TV. So yeah. there was no real, and I didn't really recognize that naively at the time. And then that sort of catapulted me into this weird world where I was like navigating fame whilst doing music on the side. But the music industry, I was so green, like I didn't yeah. know anything. I like had barely ever performed and was just starting to write music. And it felt like there were these two trajectories, which was like, use Made in Chelsea, ride that wave yeah. and exploit it for all that you can yeah. and kind of get the more pop starry thing off the back of that or completely duck out and start mm. from the beginning. Yeah. And I took that route, but then, like you said, it was this weird thing because then the press would like pick up on things and be like, oh, mixed reviews for like khakis. And it was just like oh, so, that's horrible. so horrible. Because I also didn't have, because I ducked out, I didn't have any agent or not, like I didn't have any team. I just oh, was like no. doing it from the very beginning, again, quite <sighs> naively. And then had but had that kind of audience that wasn't my audience for music yeah so it was that audience that were like let's let's tear her down let's I mean obviously I had some people that just like really loved me and supported me and so, you know some of them have followed me the whole way through which is such a lovely thing but the pathway from like reality tv to anything really is not especially music is not a well-trod path no. that many have done successfully no, I can't think of anyone. No, and people probably probably assume that if you have that have a level of fame, like it's going to be easy for you to, you know, springboard into something exactly, else. Exactly. Yeah. I think it but it's can not. be. It depends the way you do it. But I just did it in this like I want to start again and I want to learn the proper mm. way. But um, and luckily, you know, when I was releasing music before I started the whole Saturn Returns project, it was it had a really nice reception like it mm. felt really good but I honestly felt like a little bit traumatized from the early years because really? imagine it's like you want to be a singer or you like singing and you go and do a school concert and like the whole of the auditorium like laughs at you that's kind of what it felt yeah, that's, like that's like I, I couldn't I just couldn't I couldn't I, <laughs> I died yeah. I, so and it's like I you're, you're basically there naked <laughs> like vulnerable on stage yeah no um so oh yeah, my God, and yeah. I'm not to, look. It wasn't that bad, but because it was, I I felt so not confident in it anyway. Yeah, that like mm. all I needed was one person to kind of be unsure, and I was like, oh no. Yeah. Did you move to LA for singing, like to pursue singing? Yeah. So okay. I went there kind of because of it was the kind of entertainment. What well, also because a lot of people had said because I was also doing acting in London, and when I would okay. go out for roles and stuff, they would often be like the reality TV thing isn't really. Right. So whereas in the States, it didn't matter. Okay. But then I ended up doing, yeah, a lot more music there. And that's the project that I started putting out. Mm. And I did actually go and do um, another project in during the pandemic that I'm go going to release because it's almost okay. like I now know from so many people that I've spoken to on the podcast and like all the work that I've done, like, the thing that you're most afraid of, like fucking do that. Yeah. 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 And just like, also I'm getting, got to a point now where I don't, 
I don't want to be a pop star. I don't need anyone to validate me. It's like, it's a soul thing for me. Like it mm. makes me feel so happy to be able to write and express myself creatively. And I think a lot of us feel that way, but we just kind of gets shamed out of us or we're like, oh, well, that's not my career. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Whereas I kind of just want to be like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I love Cause that. Because I, I can and I want to. What was moving to LA like? Because you... What age were you, did you say? Sorry. 27. So that was in the period when it was really fraught. You were kind of dealing with a lot of shame and regret. And I imagine it was like an anxious time, not to put words in your mouth. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I was in a relationship at the time that um, I think he wanted to sort of settle down and have kids. And I just didn't feel that was right for me or like my path. I just really craved freedom Mm. and... I think I wanted to escape a little bit. And when I initially, now looking back, like LA feels like such a terrifying thing to do, but I I very freely would just move country and not really. Well, (laughs) imagine Al, that kind of level of spontaneity. (laughs) I mean, also I I moved to Australia after me in Chelsea. That's how much I like, that's how far I wanted to get. But I do love Australia. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I can imagine London felt very small. After you did that. It did sure. after that. And that's what's really mm. interesting about moving away. Like coming back and feeling sort of anchored in who I am and what I want to do. It's like London's just a completely different place. It's a different yeah. city. I love mm. it. Yeah. Whereas around 27, I was like, I don't think I ever want to live here again. Yeah. Because it did feel very small. And I yeah. right in the book, I'm like, the ghost of Maiden Chelsea passed and and too many ex-boyfriends lurked around many corners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. <laughs> but like to, to me, LA feels like, I'm just imagining you at that point when you're probably a bit lost. Yeah. And you just don't know what to do when you're like most kind of... people in LA. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you get there and, and you're just in this sort of sea of drifting souls. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like a very, very tough place. It's tough. From what I've heard from people that have moved there and then it, they've not enjoyed it hasn't been what they expected and it's just I've heard it's one of those places that like chews you up and spits you out and I imagine it to like heighten everything that you're feeling and yeah Yeah, it probably did but I think there's a reason that I gravitated towards it you know I think I often describe LA as a place where fame is like their religion and, and beauty and youth are these commodities and so often it attracts people that have this appetite for fame or escapism, often both, and I probably did. But it does, the facade of it slips over time. Like the sort of glossy coat wears off a little bit and and the underbelly is that it's like a lot of people there to pursue something, that a dream that might not be realised. But equally, Mm. there's a lot of people that do. Um, I just think, yeah, I look back at that time I was so lucky to be able to go and to have that experience, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go back. It was, I found it really lonely. Really? Yeah, really yeah. lonely. You seem very grounded, I guess would be the word now, to like, to your life. It, yeah. it, it doesn't, there doesn't feel like there's any energy that isn't like calm and where it should <laughs> yeah. be. You know what, loads of people say that. I'm like, Really? Someone, I went and did this panel talk. I don't know if I told you this the other day, but it was one of those ones where I was, you know, I was sitting with people that I 
have sort of idolized in a way, like having this these conversations and and whenever I spoke after afterwards, I said, "This voice comes into my head that's like." what did you just say? What does that even mean? Like, do you know what you're talking about? I'm like, no, I don't really. And then afterwards, this woman said, she was like looking at me and she was like, you've got a really calm energy about you. I was like, oh, thanks. And she was like, yeah, you just, you make me feel like everything's going to be okay by yeah, you being yeah, here. And I was same. like, really? Yeah. We're, all, we're all in a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, it's true. I can't imagine you being rattled. I really can't. I think I just, think a lot about stuff so I kind of um, can articulate feelings and everything but equally I am still quite prone to being quite anxious I probably don't help that by having loads of tea drink loads of tea I mean that could be so much worse like you could be like I'm doing like loads of cocaine (laughs) yeah Yeah. I drink loads of tea (laughs) yeah my, my vices these days are tea so yeah that probably reflects someone that's quite calm and grounded I think but. so Decaf tea yeah. as your friend yeah yeah I need to have more but yeah, yeah. I, I guess I I guess I do um, I guess I do so you seem yeah. very calm and very good like I imagine like okay imagine a crisis befalls us now like either side <laughs> yeah. of me would be very different energy in the crisis uh, uh, <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> yes I'd be like on the ceiling yeah, yeah. Alex, Alex would explode <laughs> Just, I can't <laughs> I do think I can catastrophize about things though because you know that's the other side to thinking about things a lot it's like when something hypothetically might go wrong yeah I'll start overanalyzing why that might be and I have to stop mm. myself from doing that I think that's just part of the female condition I think it's just the condition well, I don't think it's specific to female I agree except we talked about this the other day and actually just last night after the alarm went you know all our alarms yeah, went on our phones mine didn't yeah. <gasps> Well, you won't. They, they probably do that on purpose. They're probably like, she can't handle this. We won't give that to her. But everybody else's alarms went. And when we got into bed last night, because obviously I've just had the baby, and I said to my to my Alex, I was like, oh, God, it really makes you think, you know, maybe it's just a nuclear bomb or something's going to come. Like, why are they giving us this? Like, something bad's going to be happening, surely. And then I looked over and I was like, do you not worry about this stuff? He just said to me, he was like, No. Like, what do you mean, no? Like, and I was like, do you never, does that never, this, this stuff never worries you? He's like, no, I don't want to suffer twice. I was like, God damn that logic. Oh, God I damn that logic. I would love to live in my husband's head for a day, <laughs> yeah. just a day. Just a day. I'm like, just looking at you like so blissfully empty in yeah. there. The alarm <laughs> annoyed him. Like the alarm just, he was like, oh God, that's loud. It didn't make him think like, well, the world's going to end. As I imagine, that's your first thing. Just a, like a little bit mild annoyance. <laughs> can't relate. I just can't relate. Well, and yours was, well, this is the beginning. This of is the end. end. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've always said this about the apocalypse. I wouldn't run. I wouldn't fight. I would just die because I couldn't be bothered. I wouldn't want to live in a post-apocalyptic world. It just doesn't sound much fun. But now I've got a baby. <laughs> yeah, you have so to. everything. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm like, great. So now we have to try and survive. And she'll be fuck all help because she's absolutely tiny. She can't walk. <laughs> she can't think. I just carry around. Okay, you really do catastrophize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just spiralling. <laughs> I, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, like, yeah, I've got my Saturn return coming. I'm freaking out. I need, can I just Google the date? to mm-hmm. know? Oh, crap. I can't fall if apart you just now. It, like, I've got like I've got a lot of friends that went through it, and it just Google was it. things leveling up. Thank you. I don't even think that's true, but I appreciate you saying that to me. When's my Saturn <laughs> return? I just put in my birthday, 
and it's come up with the date that my boy, yeah, the date that I slept. No way. Okay. Not the date, but the, the month. Break, yeah. Yeah. The September month. Um, 2017. Bollocks, mine's coming in March. I can't wait year. for that. <laughs> Me neither. Shit. I have a dependable now. I can't fall apart. See, before I didn't care. I was like, everything can go to shit. It doesn't matter. But it can't now. Oh, no. Oh, God. So my first waxing square was July 2001. And then my August 2008. These do actually feel like quite pivotal times. <laughs> I'm dreading Yay. that now. March. Yeah, March will be fun. Oh, oh well. I'm going to book a holiday for March. <laughs> Me too. And so then, it, your, your, your holiday is going to have to be a year, two and a half years long. That's how long. It's fine, I can do it. It's fine. Fuck's sake. Um, oh, no. Oh, well, okay. on that happy note, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I hope I haven't terrified you too much. I know about, you have, but it's. Have. But what do you need um, to prepare? Fail to prepare and prepare to fail so knowledge is power now I know I'm armed with the knowledge that's that it's the coming thing. yeah just having that awareness I think it's that's got to help it's got to this is what we actually had an astrologist on the podcast recently and she said that astrology is the weather and knowledge about it is basically the umbrella yeah so at least now I've had my my gale I've had my warning I've had yeah. the apple the phone there siren go so now like I can just batten Reggie. down the hatches <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not see anyone for two and a half years whilst I try and get on top of everything but at least I'll have your podcast and your book you'll have my yes. podcast and the book and also we've just we're launching courses as well amazing kind of helping people like navigate that time so that's really exciting I, nice. yeah I need that yes I do I'll see you there we, oh okay I'm over mine but I still need it anyway <laughs> um, we'll put the links to all of that in the show notes Amazing, thank you. and where can people find you online you can find me on Instagram at Kaggy's World and Saturn Returns at SaturnReturns.co.uk amazing thank you so much Should I Delete That is part of the ACAST Creator Network Small details are big surfaces Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.